This conversation mentions suicide. Viewer discretion is advised. Hello, I'm Peter McMillan from NT Shelter. Today you're watching another episode of Sharing the Couch. It's a series that NT Shelter has set up where we talk about people who are working in the housing and homelessness system or working closely with it and hear some of their stories about the great work that they're doing in the sector. I'd like to acknowledge that again today we're broadcasting from Larrakia country in Darwin. I'd like to pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging of the Larrakia people and also to any other First Nations people who might be watching this episode, either in the Northern Territory or further afield. Welcome. If you're enjoying this series of Sharing the Couch, uh, please consider hitting the subscribe button and the like key so that more people get to see this video and also to make sure that you don't miss out on uh, future episodes that we broadcast. We've got a big schedule for 2023 coming up, so please do go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Today we have another fantastic person to have a conversation with. I'm really looking forward to this one. Um, Elvis Martin is our guest today, and Elvis is a young Australian leader and advocate. He's currently the Deputy Chair of Red Cross Youth. He's a Principal Ambassador for the National Youth Commission, and he's Youth, youth Advisor rather, for Melbourne City Council. Elvis's dedication to social justice, compassion and equality has a big impact on those around him. He's a strong believer in the power of lived experience, and he bravely shares his own life journey through initiatives such as Are You OK Day, Shifting Perspectives, Empowering Others to Share Their Own Stories, and Advocating for a Culture that Supports Inclusion and Mental Wellbeing. Beyond his volunteer work with Australian Red Cross, Elvis is constantly engaging in the important conversations about time and driving change wherever he can. Elvis's passion is collaboration within the community to drive change through driving awareness and change for homelessness, mental health, domestic violence, suicide prevention, gender and sexual discrimination. Elvis is the youngest ever person to be appointed to the Victorian government's LGBTIQ plus task force. He was selected as Australia's youth ambassador for the one Young World Summit in Manchester earlier this year and gave the Ambassador in Action address, speaking on global mental health and government's expenditure on mental health around the world, and shared some leading causes of youth mental health and suicide. Elvis spoke at the Australian Housing and Urban Research Institute National Homelessness Conference in Canberra earlier this year on a panel conversation on youth homelessness. In November, in November 2020, he told his personal story to the Royal Commission into Victoria's mental health system. He's passionate about sharing his lived experience and hopes his story encourages anyone going through a difficult time to reach out to their family, friends or support services. A very warm welcome to you, Elvis Martin. Thank you. Thank you so much, Peter. I would also like to acknowledge uh, the traditional owners uh, and I'm joined by, I'm joined from Nam, which is also known as uh, Melbourne. And uh, just one thing, I was a former uh, national uh, committee chairperson for Red Cross. Uh, my time at Red Cross was amazing. Uh, and, and now I work with other different organizations uh, in uh, either on boards or advisory boards uh, and so it was so it's so good to chat to you thank you so much for having me uh, on this interesting series uh sharing the couch uh and thank you so much for the work that you all do 
Thank you, Elvis. That's great. That's great to see you again. And, and it was good to catch up with you at that conference. I did hear you speak. Um, it was a very powerful uh, speech about your experiences with youth homelessness and your journey uh, to um, housing security. And I guess also uh, the things that you're doing as an ambassador for young people. And I guess I do want to um, start with that. I, I guess... Uh, now, you've just come back from Manchester from the One Young World Summit. I had a bit of a look at it. It, it feels like I've missed out on the coolest gig going around. <laughs> Can you tell me a bit about the experience? I mean, there must have been a lot of energy and thinking in new ideas. And Megan Markle's also associated with it. Tell yeah. us about that. Oh, it's, it's an amazing organisation. I'm privileged to be an ambassador for One Young World. Uh, and uh, One Young World do a lot and they really bring young leaders from around the world who are doing uh, change work, sort of a being a change agent in their country, uh, corporates, governments. Uh, Meghan Markle have been a counsellor uh, for One Young World from 2014. Uh, and there are many Hollywood celebrities uh, who are Hollywood, Bollywood or many many big celebrities, whether it's from a sporting side or, 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 or movies and things like that are uh, involved uh, in the space. Uh, but this year she was uh, delivering a keynote uh, where I, I was speaking as well this year, so which was uh, amazing. It's great to hear. It's like so many people, so much passion in the room, uh, over 2,000 uh, attendees. Wow, 2,000 attendees. Yes, around the world. Oh, wow. Every country have a representative. Uh, every single country have a representative. So it is, it is, it's a great, it's a great platform. And it's an honor to be uh, given a spot to speak. And it's an honor to be given a spot to be an uh, ambassador in action. Um, Fantastic. It's, it's, it's uh, uh, so I, I really enjoyed my time there. I really enjoy uh, getting to connect with other young people who are making change uh, in different countries and, and very innovatively. And I, I get to share things about uh, and learn as well about what we are doing in Australia, but as well as learn about what they are doing. And I think in many ways, uh, especially in Victoria in mental health, we are doing quite a lot, uh, which is, I feel really proud sharing that work of uh, Victoria. Um, and and then, then understanding that mental health is something that's overlooked by government expenditures mm -hmm. and things like that. And uh, then talked about homelessness and talk about uh, equality and pride. I also talked about, you know, the challenges of, you know, gender, uh, not having a safe space and, and gender equality and things like that. Uh, just sharing that ideas with so many people and connecting with them, learning what they are doing, uh, keeping in touch, uh, definitely what's happening around the globe. It's, it's definitely, I'm grateful to have that opportunity. I think it's a wonderful opportunity. I do want to uh, ask you a few things about it. But one thing I thought I'd mention first was something I read. I think, I think you said that you saw a, um, a presentation it was given by a Ukrainian person and a Russian person even got up on his feet and applauded. Yeah, so, do you want to so, tell us about that? How that so, uh, what happened is that uh, there was a, a flag, uh, oh. a, a refugee flag uh, that was carried by a Rish, uh, Russia, sorry, Ukrainian person. And that was the first flag that actually went on the stage. Oh. And, and then uh, a person who was standing next to me, uh, I was not aware of that person is Ukrainian, when, uh, sorry, Russian, when we start talking and that person is like, 
uh, started clapping loud and loud and and then they they told me uh, how they feel about uh you know what's happening in ukraine and 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 how sad they are uh, and, and how they feel being russian you know what i mean and the, so that was that was very unique that was like wow you know what i mean that was just an amazing absolutely uh, like it, it's a unity you know what i mean and it yeah. shows that people doesn't want war it's leaders and 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 it's some leaders yeah absolutely so i'm curious about you know 2000 people at this uh big forum and you're speaking and you've got those messages that you said before what did people say to you and also do you feel that the issues you were talking about um were those that others could relate to from their own countries a hundred percent there's so many of them uh the response that i got got after my speech was very overwhelming and 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 the messages that i receive on my instagram and and linkedin uh, and continuously like uh, you know the support uh, by following and sharing my uh, work uh, online on their platforms so it was it was it was definitely you know i i felt you know like that there was a definitely a support for the work that i am doing and the importance of it uh, because i believe that people won't support if they are not passionate about the same thing or if they are not concerned about the same things in their own home countries. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, there are so many people from different nations that are concerned about the things that I'm passionate about, which is homelessness, mental health, family and domestic violence, uh, LGBTI community or gender equality. And uh, these are real issues and these are issues in every single country, mm-hmm. uh, but it's about how do we address it? and how we do it just as, as a united sort of a thing. And what would you say would be the mood at a conference like that with, in terms of whether there's a degree of optimism or pessimism or how, what was the energy and the, and the viewpoint in general around things like homelessness? Oh, like definitely it's like people want to make change. People are upset. People are angry. And people, the, especially corporate sector and and. It's the only conference I can say this. I, I speak at many conferences, and it's the only conference where I have seen uh, a lot of corporates do come with a willingness. We want to change. Tell us how can we do it. Yes. Right. So uh, yeah, that's that's that's. Uh, I'm not going to say that corporates in other conferences doesn't come with a willingness, but I have seen a lot of passion and enthusiasm that okay, we want to we want to do something about it. And uh, so a lot of corporates that I have met there, they are like, tell us how can we change it? How can we make a difference? And and my I had I had some opinions uh, for people experiencing homelessness or people experiencing mental health or or women and children experiencing family violence and and domestic violence. How corporates can help those individuals is by creating jobs, by creating flexible jobs. So creating a job is one thing, but creating a flexible job is another thing. You need to understand that these people who go through a lot of challenges in their life, it's not easy for them to just go through that traumatic, you know, disadvantage period and quickly go to a full-time job and act like normal, right? Yeah, nothing happened. Mm-hmm. That doesn't work like that. So to, 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 to create a employment opportunities for people who go through challenges, the employer need to be a little bit understanding and flexible and, and, and have uh, a peer support model sort of a thing that can help those individuals. So there is a lot that corporates can do. And then 
the other thing that corporates can do is like one of my main another thing that I speak often at corporate places is CSR, corporate social responsibility. And for example, Peter, and this I said to you uh, on the phone as well uh, uh, before uh, last week, and, and then I was pretty frustrated after uh, your presentation uh, at uh, in Canberra. The presentation was amazing, but the stats were frustrating. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, you guys do a lot of work and, and this is a work that is much needed but there is not enough funding behind it. And, and, right. the, and the, the, when there is no funding, you guys can do to a point and the, the, there will be an end point to it because everything, mm -hmm. you know, you can't run all the services that you can perfectly run and what those people deserve, mm -hmm. you can't do it because you don't have enough money or enough resources to, to run that. I think it's interesting, you know, the number of points you make about corporates and CSR as well, because, um, yeah, I get the sense too that um, most most people, most organisations want to see some change, but they don't quite know what they can do or how to get involved in the conversation. And, and you know, in terms of things like um, street homelessness, uh, you know, businesses know that they prefer not to have rough sleeping in Sydney in the, in the CBD areas, but, you know, what can they do? And there are things, practical things that they can do. And I guess I just wanted to turn our attention to that, Elvis, because you are... Um, a person who has had lived experience um, of homelessness, of street homelessness in Docklands for a few months and couch surfing that. Um, so do you want to take us back to that time? Because it was obviously, it was a, you know, we don't go, need to go into all the details, but it was a period of, it was difficult, it must have been difficult in your life, uh, that period of homelessness and I guess also uh, navigating the mental health system as well. Yeah, uh, sure, uh, Peter. And I think... Uh... Homelessness is seen as an issue of people who use drugs, right? That's the stereotype of people who use drugs uh, are people who experience homelessness. Let me tell you, I have never used substance in my life, but I have experienced homelessness. And it's, it's a phase, homelessness, like you, you hear this like, oh, homeless people, this term you hear a lot, homeless people, homeless people. There's no such thing as a homeless people. It's homelessness is an experience. It's a phase mm -hmm. one go through and anyone can go through that. I grown up in a quite a supported uh, sound uh, family, but, uh, but I experienced homelessness. Yeah. So, so people have to understand that anyone can experience homelessness, homelessness, is not just for people who experience like you who, who, who use substance and things like that. So uh, like I had my challenges and as an international student, uh, navigating the system was very difficult. And as an international student, um, when I had some conflicts with my family and, and, and challenges with coming out, uh, I found myself experiencing homelessness, rough homelessness, rough sleeping. And uh, it, was, it was difficult. It was difficult. It was, uh, it was not easy. And 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 people are like, oh, why don't you go and get a job? Like you, this is a very common term that is used. Uh, you might have heard this a lot yeah. by many yeah. people. Uh, it's not easy. It's not easy to like. I, there was a time where I was speaking and and uh, in one of the corporate place and and one of the person after my speech they came and they said, oh. Uh, thank you for bringing the stats to the attention, uh, but but 
they don't want to like they can go and get a job they are quite lazy people and things like that i told that person that i don't think they are lazy point one and point two you think that they should go and get a job how about i just go and get some people experiencing homelessness will you give them a job you are an employer will you give them a job he did not have anything to say yeah it's it is it's easy to say that people who are experiencing homelessness and sleeping rough and who don't have anything who's going to give them jobs and at the same time can they maintain it yeah and it's it's because they can't maintain it because they are already going through a lot of challenges in life so they need that extra support now to get back on track and not go through the cycle of homelessness yes and when in my case the system was so broken as because i was an international student back then that i fall through the gaps you can say but i had to i i got myself out of it without any support right and, right and and because to go and access uh, if you're feeling as an international student if you're feeling suicidal and want to go to an emergency still to date you need to have 675 dollars in your account because you have to pay the admission fee into the emergency because students doesn't have medicare they have yeah. private insurance which they can claim that 675 the 80% of 675 later but now first they have to pay for it yeah, it makes it hard doesn't it? it makes it very difficult and especially when you're in that yeah. I guess situation where you may have multiple needs, you might yeah. be having um, challenges with mental health or physical health, um, and the whole. And, and I think it's absolutely um, true what you say in the sense of people stereotypes about what homelessness is, and you know, I, I think a lot of people have in their mind an image of what a homeless person looks like to them. Whereas you say there are people who experience homelessness from a number of different facets of life, including, as we're seeing you know, nationally, a lot more people who are experiencing homelessness who never in their wildest dreams would ever have thought they would be um, in that situation. So it can happen to anyone, and it does happen to a lot of people, doesn't it? It's right. And, 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 there's, and there's one thing about, uh, uh, as I mentioned, that it's people are like, as you, only substance users are mm. the people who go through homelessness. It can be anyone right it can happen to anyone and when the system so my case was complex peter you know it had family family violence into it mental mm -hmm. health domestic violence there was a lot of issues and when all the needs are not met or or, or supported support this person for all the issues then they are going to fall apart eventually you know what i mean because of the broken system and um with with I think I think there's one thing very common in the sector, or or, or I wouldn't say sector, but in the system, is um, if you don't talk about it, it doesn't exist, right? So family violence and young people now, uh, Melbourne City Mission in Victoria. Uh, I'm not sure about other states, but in Victoria, Melbourne City Mission is pushing, uh, and and Safe and Equal, which is a peak body uh, that is pushing a lot for children and and homeless, sorry, family violence and homelessness and things like that from this angle. Before that, I don't know about other states. I don't know about MT, but over here, we never talked about family violence and homelessness. Mm -hmm. We never talked about family violence and mental health. 
yeah. but they are interconnected. If someone is experiencing family violence, they are experiencing mental health, depression and anxiety and everything, whatnot. And then they, when they escape family violence, then they are experiencing homelessness. Mm. Absolutely, that's it's connected. They're, they're, they're intersections between all of those elements, as you say. When you were, when you were experiencing homelessness, illness, what were the kind of supports that you would have liked to have received that weren't available or you weren't aware about at the time? Uh, one, when there was no support, literally international students does not have a support uh, from organizations uh, that provide support to local. Uh, I am, uh, like, I'm not sure how it works in NT, in, in Victoria, many non-for-profit organizations does not have support because they don't have Medicare and that's where it gets, they don't have Medicare, they don't have Centrelink. So that's where it gets really complicated for uh, the organizations here to support and organizations doesn't get specific international student funding uh, for these organizations to help them. Uh, I would have appreciated a social worker, a support worker, uh, and, and someone who can just help me navigate the system, someone who can just help me guide what is available, what's not available, because at the age of 17, I was just, it was too much for me. Yeah. It was, and yeah. Well, did you see any outreach workers uh, coming out or you didn't have that way they were? Yeah, and, and, and not at the place where I was sleeping, but at the same time, uh, back then, Peter, it was not much. Now you see a lot of outreach happening and on the streets, I see a lot of outreach workers. Uh, uh, but back then it was not like that. I'd also like to explore another area, which I think you're, um, maybe you can tell us a bit about, which is for those people who identify um, with the LGBTIQ plus community, the fact that a number of services that are available are those faith-based organizations not necessarily what people who identify with those communities are looking for in terms of being comfortable with the services. Do you want to elaborate on that a little bit for us? Yeah, it is. Uh, it, it, it's a very, it's a very complicated uh, sort of uh, area, I know, because as, as you mentioned that a lot of big organizations that do provide support in this area are all of them are religious, like I can counting it's like four or five of them and they are very known for religion or related to church and they are known for church. As a person of like LGBTI community, uh, I would feel more comfortable when, when there are services, when mainstream organizations are a bit inclusive. And, and that's why in Victoria, we have a, a rainbow tick accreditation. So basically rainbow tick accreditation make sure that there's visibility in the organization and, and, and then there's rainbow flags and things that says uh, it's a safe space. Uh, and, and that's why I advocate for mainstream organizations to be more inclusive to support. There's the other part to it, Peter. Many people who are part of LGBTI community and who are in closet, sometimes they don't feel comfortable to go to LGBTI organizations because they don't want to be seen. They don't want to be, uh, you know, they don't want to, uh, be seen or outed or things like that. Though those organizations are very safe, uh, but when you are in the closet, you struggle to accept. You know that that okay, your 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 information will be protected. Uh, but uh, that's why the mainstream organization. So that's one end of it. The other end is religious organizations running this. So it's it's just 
then you are left with only few of the organizations that can provide you support and things like that in my case i struggled to come out to my uh, my worker but and then when i came out uh, my support worker was quite friendly and and, and supportive uh, and and i love the organization it's co-held uh, in victoria and and uh, it's 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 important for mainstream organizations to have uh, to have like flags and, and, and banners and things like that, that says uh, it's a safe space for all. So sure. that actually would have made a difference in my life. I would have felt comfortable going to a service and say, okay, you know, I can talk about it rather than waiting mm-hmm. and, and, and really hoping for, uh, you know, to know that whether my caseworker is homophobic or not. It sounds like there's definitely some gaps in the service system, as you point out, for international students and also for people who identify in the LGBTIQ plus community. That's, that's the really interesting observations and important that we listen to those uh, insights. I guess um, one of the things I'm, I'm curious about is um, your passion for things that I read out of the introduction, a lot of the work you do in advocacy. And I believe you had a really good conversation with the Are You OK as well, um, and which involved you doing some work with them and really, I guess, inspired you to find out your calling and what you want to do in your life. Are you able to run yeah. us through that? So uh, the reason I joined IUOK when they asked me if I want to be uh, an ambassador uh, is because a conversation have changed my life. When I was in hospital, I was not able to relate with nurses, counselors, and psychologists and psychiatrists, they were talking about things that doesn't make sense to me. It was very high level, like, oh, you have major depression. If you take antidepressant, the chemicals in your brain and and, and the conversation, I was just not able to relate. Uh, there was a nurse, a casual nurse, after one of, uh, after one of my attempts, uh, I was in emergency ward uh, from a normal ward that transferred me to emergency and 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 I was there and she she was sitting and she had a, a, a very deep conversation with me and and it, it felt like a human being is talking to me rather than I'm talking to robots that just talks about chemical in my brain and 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 so she shared about her um her child she, she she talked about how her child is part of the community and 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 they are from a very strong uh, catholic religion back family and 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 the challenges and things like that but she said you will uh, you will find your family you will find uh, people here uh, that that made me like that conversation helped me you know really move on and, and she's like don't try to take your life you have tried so many times uh, and that's how I choose a purpose of life that I will advocate for people who go through similar things as uh, what I have been through and, and, and dedicate and give my time and my life to the community. Wonderful, Elvis. And I, that, must, that was obviously such an impactful conversation for you. And I guess uh, there's, some, there's some firsts in some of the things that you've done. And I know with the uh, City of Melbourne Council, you were the first ever youth homelessness advisor, uh, which is a remarkable Person. achievement. Uh, so what did you do there with your work at, at, uh, at, so, at Melbourne City Council? Yeah. City Council, I was, joined, uh, I was given an opportunity to join Homelessness Advisory uh, Council, and I was the first ever young person to join uh, the, council, the committee uh, where we advise on issues that are uh, related to homelessness and, 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 and what's happening in the city and things like that. And that committee was chaired by the councillor, 
who hold the portfolio of uh, people uh, uh, in communities. Uh, so it was uh, it was uh, it, it was a great opportunity for me to really bring the voices of young people, multicultural uh, communities, and LGBTI communities, and really highlight that how uh, how it might be different, how the homelessness might look different, and how different how why government need to fund different services to provide that different specific support to these cohorts, uh, and also the other thing for me was to have Victoria Police on that committee. That was one of my goal. And, and I'm proud to say this, uh, Peter, that I was able, I was successful to, to make that happen. That's terrific. And, and, and because what I believe is that police need to be involved in these conversations. They need to understand what people actually go through. Force is not good and it's never going to fix any problem or any issue. Like I, not every person experiencing homelessness is criminal. So I, I couldn't agree with you more on that. And I think there are conversations that that we have up here a lot as well. And we get some very good engagement with the police. And I think a lot of them do understand that um, a welfare intervention is as important or if not more important than a law enforcement uh, intervention as well. It's extremely, extremely true, well said. And um, so I guess in terms of local government, what do you see as a role of local government in helping to tackle our homelessness problems in, in Australia? What, what, did, what, did they, what were they interested in doing, council? What can they do in local government? So see, local governments have a big role to play and not uh, as Peter, I'm, uh, I'm not sure if you, I don't know how uh, things are in NT, but uh, I can talk from Victorian perspective on New South Wales because I have communicated and I have uh, spoken many times in New South Wales to different councils. Only the capital councils show a bit of interest in homelessness many other councils, local councils, doesn't really spend any money on homelessness or, or have any focus on homelessness. But do people in their uh, municipalities experience homelessness? Yes, they do. But the councils doesn't have any focus. I think local councils can play a big role in resolving, in reducing uh, homelessness. One thing that uh, two years ago, uh, local councils did was uh, lobbied for a national uh, plan, right? And that is national strategy for ending homelessness. And, and, and that is really important. But at the same time, how are you allocating your budget every year? Because every year councils have their budget and how are you allocating, how are you supporting local organizations that is tackling homelessness? And, and, and one, we need more housing. There is no doubt about it. Two, uh, uh, creating affordable housing and how are you investing in that? Second, uh, are you supporting organizations uh, who are working in your municipalities uh, to solve, uh, to reduce homelessness, right? And uh, most of the time, services are, this is at least my experience, that councils spend money on things like events and, and concerts and things like that, that really bring people around, but not much happens in local councils when it comes to homelessness. I have knocked so many doors, Peter. Uh, I have visited so many councils in Victoria, uh, spoke to the mayors of the council and bring this attention. And I said, this is important. Mm -hmm. and, and some of them, all of them, 
act to listen some of them act on it right and all of them is like oh this is serious but they record they have never done anything and and after that meeting they are not going to do anything as well you know so that there's not that commitment or passion there are some who who, who who does that and there are some who don't know how to do it and the people who don't know how to do it and the the councils that don't know how to do it then they need to connect with local organizations that are working in the space they need to connect with big bodies in the states i guess if that's what they want to and and seek their advice how that particular council can make a, a difference in homelessness it's a serious issue it's it's a serious and it is going to affect our future it's going to affect australia's future if homelessness is not reduced uh, so it is very important that local councils in every in their yearly budget this is my uh, advocacy that is like minimum 10% of their budget yearly budget should go in resolving homelessness that's something got a lot of play there's, there's no doubt about that and also we won't be able to get through all of the i mean there's an incredible list of um of boards and committees that, that you've been involved in or are still involved in. we won't be able to get through all of them but needless to say to our viewers that you do a, an enormous amount of work advocacy and social change and social justice you, you are uh, doing you have done at least uh, some work with info exchange with the ask easy project um in the northern territory we don't have ask easy we've got a similar um website-based resource that we use for homelessness services. But do you want to tell us a bit about your work at, and, and I guess how you were able to add some value to that uh, important project that Ask Easy? Peter, first thing, you need Ask Easy in NT. I love Ask Easy. And I'm sure the other website uh, that you guys have is amazing and great and doing an amazing job. But you guys need Ask Easy there. Ask Easy is a one of my favorite platform, one of my favorite platform, because I have seen, I have been involved in Ask Easy from the start of it, right? And uh, and then uh, I was uh, involved in the initial uh, consultations of Ask Easy, and uh, and then I've joined the advisory product advisory, so that that's I, I joined from the start of the product advisory uh, mm -hmm. committee, and Ask Easy is the like now young people use technology when they are like even people experiencing homelessness a lot of them have access to phone or internet somehow and uh, and and they prefer to access it that way rather than going traditionally going by reading books directories and things like that way to access supports and services so having a platform like that that can actually guide you about where are the services uh, where can you go to access uh, housing uh, and homelessness related or if you need a bed tonight where can you which organizations are around your area and how many kilometers it is how can you walk there can you take a tram can you take a bus can you take a train and then we also add a logo uh, if it's a safe space which is a lgbti mm -hmm. logo uh, organ uh, uh, original and terrestrial islander logo underneath it if they have specific services to support indigenous communities so this makes it much easier, cleaner, and, and it's like, okay, the person have to just type, I need housing, I need a bed to sleep, I need money, uh, I am looking uh, to make friends, uh, I need uh, to something what's going on in the community, so, so that there is a lot, and, and I have always been a fan of this app, uh, maybe I'm being biased here because I'm involved in it, but... <laughs> 
<laughs> but I love it. And it's, it's, it's a platform that a lot of young people I have uh, met through different uh, consultations, focus groups or events. They all said that they find it very helpful. Uh, That's excellent. And I think, you know, we like to sometimes do things our way in the territory as well. A little bit different maybe, but a lot of the things you spoke about, we're absolutely doing on our website. But I'll tell you what, I'll make a promise. We'll check out Ask Izzy and if we can, if, if there's a way we can meet or beat it, then fantastic. But the important thing is that we get the services and information to people in need, uh, whether it's, like you say, clothing, money, um, counselling, uh, a bed for tonight or, or next week. So I think it's really important that work. So I would love to check out the website that you guys have and 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 um, I'm more than happy to. Uh, is it run by uh, NT Shelters or is it run by? Yeah, it is. It is run by. It has been run by us for a while. Uh, but you know, I think we always want to see if we can do things better, and it, it'd be great to look at Ask Izzy and see see the functionality and 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 yeah. that that Ask Izzy offers and see if we can do the same. Uh, I guess we want to make sure with so much homelessness in the territory that uh, we have options and solutions where they're available but in a very accessible way so maybe we could talk about that offline yes, a little yes, bit more yes, but yes. i did want to talk also about youth development australia because uh, you're an ambassador for them national ambassador i think yes. do you want to tell us a bit about what that work involves and what a typical day might look like for you now as a principal ambassador, that's uh, that's a that's a proper role sort of a thing, and and where I basically I'm responsible for partnerships and engagement and stakeholder management, uh, and I'm also uh, a spokesperson for diversity and inclusion uh, mm -hmm. for Youth Development uh, Australia. So it's it's for me it's like ensuring that whatever we do. Uh, there is gender equality. Whatever we do, uh, there is uh, representation from all the diverse communities. Our First Nation people are involved. The most important thing for me, for obvious reasons, is lived experience is the front and center of everything we do. So at Youth Development Australia, we host a summit biannually, uh, mm -hmm. and that is a, a summit for a Youth Future Summit that brings mm -hmm. young people from around Australia uh, that talks about anything that is affecting young people from climate change to workplace safety, from work rights to housing, from homelessness, from mental health, LGBTI rights. But we also run, and we are the, the first body in, I think, last 22 years to run this, and that is the National Youth Mental Health Conference, sorry, National Youth Homelessness Conference. Mm -hmm. So when you, when you see, Peter, like homelessness, and you and me were there in Canberra as well, youth was the only one panel, you know what I mean? And, and this Youth Homelessness Conference is, a National Youth Homelessness Conference, is, it's just about young people and children mm -hmm. and, and how a lot, lot of organizations, so it's been happening for last, so started in 2019. Uh, it's been happening for a while, but uh, all the services and organizations come to, uh, together uh, and then it, it's in I think the next one I'm, I'm, I'm part of the stating committee for that one uh, this year uh, so uh, it's going to be in person next year I believe uh, uh, or hybrid uh, Ter yeah. terrific and and in terms of the young people you speak to and, and hear from what are they generally saying about their aspirations for housing what are their experiences what do they want when it comes to housing the, the thing is that, Peter, uh, and I'm sure it is same in uh, NT, owning a house is a dream that people don't even want to dream. 
because it's just an impossible dream. Like I, I can never see myself only like, you know, it's just too expensive. It's just unaffordable. And, and so no one is thinking of like now for a lot of young people, uh, if they are experiencing any sort of a personal hardships and challenges, even having a private rental is a dream because affording private rental in Melbourne where I am, it's, it's quite expensive. And a lot of young people say that they, their 80% of their income goes to their rent or, or 75% of their income goes to their rent, 85% of, and I am one of them, mm. where you put your majority of your income into rent. And, and, and that's, that, that's if, if we don't fix, if we don't create more affordable housing now, uh, if we don't create more affordable and, 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 and schemes that can help uh, young people afford uh, own homes and, and things like that, then we are in deep trouble. There seems to be a fair bit of focus, um, I think at the national level, at least, around solutions to Australia's affordability problems and getting more um, home ownership as well. And of course, the, the current government's talking about building more social and affordable homes, which is very good news. Um, that will take some time to come online. Uh, and um, I think I just couldn't help but think that when I heard people saying, well, the best thing we can do to help rent, you know, help people struggling in the, in the housing market is to help them buy a home, that oh. that just doesn't make sense for a lot of people, yeah? And there doesn't seem to be a lot of a lot of conversation, Elvis, at the political level, national level, around what we can do to help struggling renters at the moment. Because people's, I know a lot of people who like mobility as well. They, they might work in, in New South Wales for a few years and they might want to go back to WA or something like that. They don't necessarily want to buy their forever home and stay there forever, although they can't see themselves being able to afford to pay off the mortgage, you know. So do you think maybe we're still stuck in this great Australian dream, like you said, that where people think home ownership with that white picket fence out the front, that's that's like a 1950s thinking, isn't it? The, the thing is, Peter, like, I'm sorry for my language, but that was the dumbest comment made by that person that, oh, just buy a home, right? And, and, and that's, that's, like, I don't know, I don't know how one can even say that, right? <laughs> and hold that sort of a position and say that. Mm. And uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it, it, it is like the, there is a national focus of, you know, affordability housing and things like that. But you also need to see what happened with NRS, which is a national rental affordability scheme and how it was removed and, and, and the impact of it. To be honest, Peter, like I have experienced the impact of it. And, and, and then when you hear back and say, hey, uh, your house your, is not part of NRS anymore and it's transitioning and the NRS, the, the federal government is ending the NRS. Uh, when Turnbull was in power, that was announced that it's going to end. And when Scott Morrison was in power as a prime minister, then that, that's where it actually uh, ended. And we need to bring back national rental affordability scheme for low income earners. Then we also, first you need to have that scheme so that people are saving up some money. You can't just expect people to go and buy when especially people who are experiencing homelessness, mental health, family violence, and refugees and asylum seekers who experience a, a lot of challenges and trauma. And from homelessness, you expect them to go and buy houses. It's the dumbest thing one can say. And you need to create a space for them to gradually. And I think it's fair to say for a lot of people who, you know, who do aspire to own a home, there's nothing wrong with that. A lot of people 
own homes and, and want to own their own home. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And it is an important source of, of your wealth and long-term well-being by having a home. But I think the point is that there's a lot of people and there's a lot of people overseas that don't have their own home and it doesn't have to be the only solution. But I think we all need a roof overhead, don't we, that we can afford. That's right. And yes, and, 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 and ownership is not everyone is dreaming for ownership. A lot of young people definitely not these days. Uh, but affordability, housing affordability, we need more houses. And I think the entire sector have screamed their lungs out by now that we need more housing. I am, I am so happy that the federal government have announced uh, that they're going to build uh, uh, one million houses uh, in a decade. Uh, it, I definitely welcome that announcement. But is it enough? I don't think so. And Elvis, one last question I would like to ask is that, um, you know, out, I guess, of, the, of some adversity and tough times when you were in your teenage years as an international student, you've, you've got through that, you found a passion and you found... You found something that you, where you can really make a difference and you've gone ahead. I, I tell you what, you've gone ahead in leaps and bounds and done it and, and all power to you. I guess one of the things that I see at the moment is when people work in the space of housing homes, it can be a very difficult space, especially if the numbers of people are uh, waiting for housing that are growing or if there are other people um, with complex needs whose needs aren't getting met. And we've also got the problem in the Northern Territory of a lot of, I guess, um, um, antisocial behaviour and, and youth crime that we're dealing with as well. And sometimes that gets mixed up with the issues around homelessness. What would you say to young people like yourself who want to make a career in, in social services and human services, who are passionate about what they're doing, but they're just maybe a little bit worn out, a little bit tired from life after COVID and wondering, you know, how can we keep ourselves okay? And how can we, how can we um, get through what's a very difficult time and still keep that hope and that uh, belief that you can make a difference? What would you have to say about that? Uh, I, I would definitely, uh, I definitely, first I want to start by saying that don't lose hope. The work that you do is really important. Uh, your lived experience and your stories are making difference and will make difference. Uh, so you are much needed in the sector. Without you, the sector won't be able to deliver the good services that it, it deliver. Uh, and, and the so, sector will never improve without your support. Uh, advocate. One thing I always say to young people who are uh, doing advocacy and or want to have a, a career in the sector is like definitely advocate for paid work. You know what I mean? And I think it's also uh, I definitely want to uh, ask organization who are listening to this that please create jobs for people with lived experience. It's really important. They do bring expertise. They do bring experience. They might not bring 10 years of study, uh, but uh, their experience is more than a 10 years of study and, and the insights that they learn from that experience that they can, uh, and, and, and Peter, you might have seen that uh, by connecting with many uh, people from your services is like a lot of advocates uh, uh, or, or lived experience advocates, they bring a lot of compassion and they understand because they have been there. They know how it feels. They know how, what, what people are going through. And, and you do need a compassionate and, and you do need support workers and things like that who understand the space. Uh, so don't lose hopes. There is a lot happening. Uh, the sector is changing. 
the sector is creating slowly, especially in Victoria, we are seeing uh, organizations creating jobs for lived experience people as peer support workers or things like that. Uh, so I just want to say you're much needed and, and, and don't go anywhere. Elvis, that's, uh, that's great inspiration for people watching on. Thank you so much for your time. And I'd like to, I guess, congratulate you on the uh, amazing advocacy that you've done and the recognition you've had by being selected as that one Young World Ambassador for Australia. And I know it was a big deal. I saw the seven Channel 7 cameras over in the UK in Manchester and SBS did a nice write-up for anybody who might want to check that out. So thank you for sharing your story and, and, and I guess your... Um, bravery in coming forward and, and telling about your experience. It's really important, as you say, that people can understand um, through the lens of people with lived experience and having the courage to do that. Um, we all benefit. So thank you very much. Thank that. you so much, Peter. And thank you so much uh, for everything you do and, and your organization uh, do in Northern Territory. And I think uh, after hearing from you in Canberra, I really hope uh, that there's more support uh, to your organization and the work you guys do because it's much needed and important. Thank, thank you, you Elvis. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, and you've been uh, watching Elvis Martin on Sharing the Couch, episode 12 uh, of Sharing the Couch. We're going to have a pause that concludes season one of Sharing the Couch. We're going to be back in 2023 with a whole new season. Uh, we've got some recording already started for that and we're really looking forward to bringing you more of these stories such as Elvis's next year. Like again, once again, to thank Elvis for, for his, um, his story today. I, I hope you agree that it was absolutely remarkable and, and really refreshing to hear from someone who's got ideas and solutions and that passion to continue the conversation. So thank you for watching and we will see you in 2023. You've been listening to episode 12 of Sharing the Couch by NT Shelter. If this conversation has raised issues for you, call Lifeline Australia on 13 11 14. Opinions expressed by guests on Sharing the Couch are their own and do not necessarily represent the views of NT Shelter or host Peter McMillan. Thanks for listening and don't forget to hit subscribe.